For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello and welcome into another edition of Believe in Titans on the Believe Podcast Network. I am Davey Hudson alongside former Titan Denard Walker. We're glad that you're joining us here today because we got a jam-packed show. We're going to get into the three things you need to know that have happened for the Titans over the course of the last week. We are also going to get into Derrick Henry's situation as it relates to signing a long-term contract with the Titans. What is the likely scenario there? So before we get into that, I want to ask, do you believe catching you up on what has happened for the Titans over the course of the last week? Number three on the list, Pro Football Focus's Eric Eager went out to say that Jets All-Pro Safety Jamal Adams is a sneaky candidate in regards to being a trade partner for the Titans. Personally, I don't see that being a realistic possibility, but that is one person's take, and it will be interesting to see if the Jets do, in fact, deal Jamal Adams to another team. It does not look like they are in the market of trading Adams, even though he has expressly stated he wants out of New York. Number two on the list, the Titans have agreed to terms with seventh-round pick quarterback Cole McDonald out of Hawaii, but again, the Titans have now agreed to terms with three of their six draft picks. That includes Larell Murchison, Cole McDonald, and Chris Jackson. But three down, three to go. And finally, as we get to number one on the list, going back to Clowney Watch as it relates to an updates for the Titans, there is no news there. Uh, shocker, I know. But it seems as though the Browns are continuing to make a push to land Clowney, even though it does not look as though he is interested in going to Cleveland. Man, I say it here every week. I still expect Clowney to sign with the Titans when all is said and done. And if he does go to another team, it is going to be somebody out of left field, in my opinion. I don't see it being the Seahawks or the Browns, which have been two of the biggest teams which we have seen try to make a push for the former number one overall pick. But the wait continues. With that being said, we'll go ahead and transition into talking about the Titans and the long-term situation for star running back Derrick Henry. And we'll go ahead and jump right in. We know a lot of people have been asking questions. What is the most likely outcome? What is going to happen since Derek has already signed his franchise tag? Do they get a deal done before July 15th? Denard and I are going to try to address some of those questions and then just talk about maybe what the right asking price might be, what we've heard so far from Derek Henry's camp, from the Titans and John Robinson, but a lot to unpack. And so, Denard, I will... Go ahead and throw it to you with this question. When it comes to signing Derrick Henry, where do you rate this as far as the Titans' priority? Well, right now we're rated as a top priority because he is your best player. You know, you just locked up your quarterback for some years to come. So right now you've got to get the, this deal done. Uh, and I wouldn't say ASAP because he just signed the franchise tag, which was what, $10.2 million, something like $10.278 yep. this year. Yep. So that's almost, what, a 9 or $10 million increase in salary. So he got a nice little promotion, I would say, from making, what was it? He's making $1.18 million last year, and this year you're going to make $10.278 million. So that's not bad. 
that's a nice little promotion that John Robinson and that's his staff they gave Derek. That and puts him still, at fifth in the NFL amongst running backs. Yeah, and and that's something that you really got to think about. He's going into his fifth year. Uh, he's been probably one of the most productive of the last three years back in the league. You know his production speaks for itself. So I think this is a good job because you just got your quarterback wrapped up. And they've already said that, and John Robinson basically stated that we are working on a long-term deal. So you know they're in there right now getting something done. Whenever you look at Derrick Henry's statistics from this past season, obviously led the NFL. He was the leading rusher at the end of the year. He had, in the regular season, 303 carries, which was the most in the NFL. Ran for 1,540 yards, which was the most in the NFL. And he had 16 rushing touchdowns. He has been a big part of the Titans game. And whenever we go back and we debate this Titans season in 2019, you kind of have the quarterback situation happen where Mariota comes in, things aren't going really well. You start the season off two and four, and then Ryan Tannehill comes in, and it just seems to make Derek be able to go to the next level whenever the teams are able to come out of the stacked box. I was looking, I mean, even when Tannehill was in there, Henry was still facing a good amount of stacked boxes, but uh, I did see, you, you know me, whenever it comes to pro football focus, but the article actually came out today, and it says the NFL's top runners against stacked boxes in 2019. You want to take a guess at who was number one? Lamar Jackson. He was actually number two. Oh, really? Derek yeah. was number one. Derek Lamar was number, was number one. Two. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I read that. I kind of knew that from just watching this past season that – those two right there was one and two. Because if I'm a defensive, if I'm a uh, defensive coordinator, guess what I'm doing when I'm playing both of these guys? I'm stacking the box. I mean, I'm putting one, maybe two guys in the box just to account for that one guy. Yeah. Whenever you look at this, it says that uh, the write-up by uh, PFF says if any running back was built to take the punishment of running into loaded box after loaded box, giving just as good as he gets, it is Henry. His 244 attempts over the course of the regular season and postseason were nearly 80 more than the next closest runner, and he averaged just over five yards per carry on those runs, 4.4 of which came after contact. So he should continue to run into loaded boxes again next season, which, as we kind of alluded to, that's going to open some things up for Ryan Tannehill over the top. And if Ryan's efficiency continues, he's able to have a passer rating even anywhere in the top 10. I mean, he was number one last year. Then that is going to be good for the Titans' offense as they return 10 of 11 starters. Now, the biggest thing, and I, I kind of wanted to talk about this article, Denard, because it really did surprise me when you kind of dive into talking about a salary cap situation with running backs and quarterbacks. And right now, the Titans have, I want to make sure I get this right, but they have Henry accounting up of, he accounts for 4.66% of the team's cap for 2020. You got Ryan Tannehill at, 10.21%, so they're right under 15% for the two of them combined. And the last decade, once the CBA went into effect in 2011, it's kind of hard in how teams have been trying to build a roster strictly from a salary cap situation. And I, th I thought this was interesting because it says, while I'm, I want to give this example. So there have been 11 team seasons since 2011 where a team allocated at least 17.5% of their total salary, which would be their cap, to their QB1 and their RB1. So far, teams have not been able to find success when that is the situation. And uh, this information comes from a sharp football analysis. He kind of broke this down back in March. But 
Of those 11 teams, only two of those 11 teams made the playoffs, but each lost their only postseason game. So if you're just giving a ton of money to your quarterback and your, your number one running back, it has not resulted in success over the course of the last decade in the NFL. And you know who has the blueprint? Basically, they do the reverse of what you just talked about, and they still win year after year. It's the New England Patriots. How many times have we saw over the last 15, let's say 20 years in the Belichick era where he has paid a free agent a ton of money? When he brings a guy in, he's, it doesn't happen very much. You know what he does? He has the blueprint. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to pay my quarterback very handsomely. I'm going to give him a lot of money. You know why? Because everything is predicated on number 12. He is the face of the franchise. He is the gas that makes this lawnmower go. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to put a lot of guys around him, what I call role players. That's why in New England, when guys start talking about they want to get paid, they're traded out of there. How many times have we saw him basically take a first round or a guy he took in the second rounder, and two or three years later, he trades them off. He trades them to another place. It's pretty he common. does it all the time. Yeah. Why? This is how you do it in the NFL. The NFL, basically, it's a quarterback-driven league. You always know there's going to be four positions that these guys are going to be your money makers. Okay, this is going to be the guys that's going to sell the jerseys in those stores. It's going to be your quarterback. It's going to be your left tackle. It's going to be your defensive end. And it's going to be your running back. Okay, out of those four positions, quarterback, left tackle, DN, and running backs. Those typically are the guys that make the most money. The way that the, the, uh, the, the cap today, when you basically sign a guy to a long-term deal and you break the bank on him and he doesn't deliver and you got to cut him, that's why guys are getting cut or traded in midseason now because their cap is too high. So you do what New England does. I mean, every year, I know a lot of teams can't get away with that. They're having that issue down in – uh, Kansas City right now to pay or not to pay Mr. Mahomes. So the question is, is what do you do? Do you are you willing to break the bank, but then you are you willing to lose out? So that's the question mark that a lot of general managers have to ask themselves. Do I throw all of this money at Jadavion Clowney, but I don't necessarily address other needs on this team? So there's got to be a fine line somewhere, and that's what New England has been. They they have mastered. They have mastered that concept because that's why when you look throughout a lot of the NFL, you see a lot of the New England, that DNA coming to other organizations like a Detroit or a Kansas City. They bring in guys that have worked in their personnel departments because they have a certain way of doing things. They don't break the bank. And that's exactly what you got to think about before you pay a guy, say like a Christian McCaffrey. They just in Carolina, they gave him $64 million. He's going to take 22.35 home this year. So that's the biggest question mark that every GM has to ask before when he's building a team and trying to put that thing together. Whenever you look at how much the Super Bowl champion they would spend on their running back from a cap standpoint, it was basically nothing. And we've kind of seen that. I know you mentioned that the Patriots had been the model. Now, obviously, things are changing for them with their quarterback who's kind of dominated the AFC for the last two decades is on the move. But you've seen other teams such as the Kansas City Chiefs, the Seattle Seahawks did it for a while where they would make a run with the quarterback on their rookie deal. 
spend around there. And then obviously once it came time to give that quarterback a really big contract, they would go ahead and make the move and then have to work around other situations. But the thing I would uh, I would like to point out is I'm not opposed to paying a running back a lot of money if you just want to go on like a one or a two year deal, especially after you've seen somebody like Derrick Henry just kind of light it up. I'm just afraid to do that on a a deal that exceeds more than two years. So for Derrick Henry, like we're looking at Christian McCaffrey making 16 million. I I think they're overpaying him when you look at that contract. Zeke at 15 million. It's really going to hurt them elsewhere, but. Le'Veon Bell at $13 million, I would be fine. Now, I don't know where Derek's at on this, but if you wanted to give Derek a two-year deal for around $26 million, that's something I could see being feasible because another thing whenever you're talking about the running backs is their shelf life is usually fairly short. I mean, we just talked about Derek Henry having to face all these stacked boxes, how many yards he's having to face after contact. How long can a player go before their body just starts to wear down? And so whenever you make these long-term commitments to running backs, usually it becomes a situation where their health maybe starts to deteriorate. It's been very rare where we have seen running backs be able to take a big contract and be able to fulfill that contract by continuing to play at an elite level. Really the only one that comes to mind in the modern era is Adrian Peterson and his time with the Vikings. But even when he had his really big contracts with the Vikings from 2011 to 2015, they still didn't win a playoff game. So we all want to see Derek be a member of this team for a long time. And we realize that like this run this past year, what he did was a very memorable time for Titans fans. But at the same time, whenever you're setting up your future, you have to be careful because the last thing you want to do, and we have a team that we can look at right now and be like, man, that is the last thing we can afford. And that's the Los Angeles Rams. When you saw the contract that they gave Todd Gurley, Todd Gurley, great player, but his knees just aren't able to hold up. And you could just tell that he had lost that edge. He had lost that step. And so whenever you're talking about giving a running back that much money, just constantly having to take a pounding, it can be very scary because they're going to be paying Todd a ton of money this year to not even be on the team. Really, the Rams have just set themselves up for a a tough road ahead because they did the same thing with Brandon Cooks. They're paying... I think 26% of their cap is going to two players that aren't even on their roster. Right, that's why they traded them again. <laughs> so and so it's, uh, it's one of those situations you don't want to find yourself in. And, Denard, I mean, I guess to kind of bring this full circle, you're, you're talking about the, the New England Patriots, the system that Bill Belichick has implemented at his time in New England. Where did John Robinson get most of his knowledge on how to be a general manager? Hmm. Crazy, wild guess. So, if the New England train of thought runs down to Nashville, is he willing to give a running back a lot of money? Now, I will say to kind of go against against that thought, he did give Deion Lewis more money than a lot of teams were willing. And he thought Deion would be able to come in and, and make a really big impact for a change of pace back, and that didn't necessarily pan out. So, yeah, we've seen him go against that idea or that notion but maybe did he he be like, oh man, I kind of learned my lesson on that one. No, no, because he's there's familiarity with Deion Lewis and John Robertson. There's a connection. That's what you see teams do. They bring over guys that they know. There's they're familiar with one another. Let me give you a, a little quick little illustration here about New England Patriots. I'm going to give you some 
James White, Sony Michelle, Rex Burkhead, and Damian Harris. You got four running backs on one team. One team. And we're talking about Sony Michelle, who's basically was their first round draft pick. And Deion Lewis came from where? New England over to where? Tennessee. The NFL stands for not for long. And there's a reason why. It's a three-letter acronym. NFL stands for not for long. The reason is, is because of money. Coaches included. That's the way it works. I had a chance to play with the great TD, Terrell Davis. We know his situation. Played, what, six years? Came in in 95, and by 2001, he was done. Set out the 99 season. He had a terrible knee injury. But they had just paid him a lot of money. The value of a running back decreases like a car. When you drive it off the lot, it depreciates. That's the way they kind of look at guys at certain positions. And I hate to say that, but it's true. How many running backs are over the age of 30? Adrian Peterson? I mean, you got Frank Gore. Frank Gore. But like some of those guys are just like ageless wonders. And how often are you going to hit on them? Yeah, but you got to go somewhere else to go get your money. Oh, yeah. They've not been able to stay in the same spot. That's the way it works. There's 32 jobs. Okay. There's 32 organizations. That means there's 32 places you can go. You're not going to stay at one place. That's not going to work. Derek is probably look at it, looking at it from that standpoint. Mm-hmm. That's why you got to get what you can get. I hate to say that, but I look at Le'Veon Bell. Here he was. He was having a Hall of Fame career at Pittsburgh. Mr. Irrelevant, Mr. Do-It-All. I thought he was basically the best all-around back in football. And then he sits out in 2018 for what? He wanted more money. So he got that basically and Pittsburgh was going to pay him really good. They were going to pay him. But again, he wanted it. He wanted what we call guaranteed money. So he got what a $52 million extension with the jets. It's almost like you sell your soul to the devil. It might look good financially, but once you get there, it's not what it, it's not what it seems. What's the old term that the grass is not always greener on the other side. Yep. Unfortunately, what a lot of players do is we look at the money. Because we know that our the time that we're there is so short. The average career for an NFL player is somewhere between, what, two years? That's usually the average life. Mm-hmm. And for us, that's what I call it. Your life's plan in the National Football League is about two years and you're done. Yeah, a lot of people don't realize it's that short because they just think of some of the guys that just stick in the league for so long. But whenever exactly. you're looking at everyone that's constantly rolling through, having an opportunity to, to just be on an active 53-man roster, those guys at the bottom, they shuffle out like it's nothing. Like it's nothing. Especially now the way the CBA is set up or is structured. 20 years ago, you didn't see a guy get traded in midseason. They're trading guys right now in midseason. We saw that with Golden Tate going over to Philly. That didn't happen some 20 years ago. Yeah, you're getting paid more, but you have to pay a price for it. And I tell people all the time, because I've been through this free agency process, sometimes if you're in a good situation, and Teddy Bruschi said it best when he played for New England, do I give up financial compensation for, and I love what the way he worded it, he says, do I give up this in order to get that? Which means, am I here to get Super Bowls or am I here to get paid? So you have to, you got to be able to decipher the difference between the two. If I have a chance to stay in one organization like Teddy played for a long time, I'm going to, I want to, I want to win Super Bowls, but I'm going to compromise the fact that it's going to cost me millions down the line because I'm not going to ask for much to stay here. Are you willing to give up that? Most guys aren't. And Derek has to ask himself that question. Do I want to be a Titan 
if I get a chance, I'm only 26. The value of a running back, I said, usually at 29, it starts to diminish. So I got a, what, a good another three or four years in me if I'm looking at it from that standpoint. So that's the question that most guys have to ask themselves. What am I willing to give up to get something back in return? In this case that we, in this free agency world, guys want to get paid because they know that we're not going to have that leverage over time. So get it while you can. So right now, the way Derek is looking at it is he's looking at Christian McCaffrey, Ezekiel Elliott, Le'Veon Bell, and David Johnson, because somewhere between there, he wants that type of money. And that's the way, that's how you get paid. You look at the guys that are getting, that are ahead of you. And you tell your agent is sitting there saying, hey, listen, from a production standpoint, my client, he's, he's produced more than those guys, those four guys, because those are the top four, those are the highest paid running backs at the position right now. And that's what they're doing right now. So again, I, you know, NFL, you got, when you have leverage, you got to use it. Because you're going to run out of leverage somehow, some way, at some point, like Adrian Peterson, great running back, a first ballot Hall of Famer. But again, if you want to get paid or if you want to play, you, you got to sometimes you got to leave what you're familiar with. That's Minnesota. Then you had to travel down to New Orleans, went through Arizona, and now you're in Washington. That's just the way it works for players. Yeah, if we're looking at, at, at right now, and I know you already just mentioned the the highest paid players at the running back position and I, I think everyone's willing to say yeah Derek is some, some are willing to say he's the top running back in the league right now I wouldn't say he's necessarily the top running back in the league just because he's not been able to produce a whole lot in the passing game but he's definitely a top three running back in the NFL and he wants to get paid a thing right now whenever we're just looking at this situation from afar we haven't really seen him come out and say like all right well this is what I'm hoping to get right now and we haven't seeing John Robinson say, okay, well, we're hoping to stay stay in this ballpark area where, I mean, with some players, like, I mean, we constantly talk about Jadavion Clowney when he hit free agency, he pretty much said, this is what I want to make. And that's kind of made it difficult for us here when we're assessing Derek's situation, just because we don't really have a, a spot to look at and be like, well, is he hoping for a, a four-year deal or is he maybe wanting something more short, short term and just try to get as much money as he can, thinking that's probably the best way to, to make it. But again, like you talked about Le'Veon Bell, he, he was going to get a lot of money on that franchise tag, but he wanted the guaranteed money because as a running back, or really just, I mean, in the NFL, he said, not for long, one slip, and you could tear your knee up and you're done for good. A la Todd Gurley. A few years ago, we was talking about Todd Gurley being the best all-around back in the league. Okay, everybody, every, all of the teams were, it was all about Todd Gurley. This year, Todd Gurley is where? He's in Atlanta. He just passed his physical. He's basically, the, the money that Todd Gurley is going to make is his, was his contract for Los Angeles. He's going to get the bulk of that money, not from Atlanta. This is where you really, where the love of the game has to come into play now because your value diminishes. That's just the way they look at athletes, especially when you start getting hurt. I look at Cam Newton. Has anybody signed Cam Newton yet? No. No. Why? Why is that? It's because, again, that's just the way people look at athletes. What is your value? You're only as good as if you're healthy and you're producing. If you're not, if you're not producing and you're not healthy, your value diminishes. For Cam's situation, no one's really been able to have a physical on his shoulder since he's had his injury issues. And we know with coronavirus, it has made it difficult for uh, players and teams to get together in a lot of these situations on top of how much is Cam wanting paid and how much is the team willing to give him because 
I mean, we could all argue Cam should be starting in the National Football League. I mean, he's better than a lot of the starters for a lot of these teams. But whenever you get the money involved, you get the injury concerns brought into the conversation, teams get hesitant. And it'll be interesting to see what happens. I mean, you've seen quarterbacks that we know that are good have to sometimes take a lot less money just because teams aren't willing to take the risk. And that's what, just like I said, you know you know how I adopted the term is the risk greater than the reward. It's by all the years that I played in the National Football League because we all are at risk when you step on that field. At any point, every guy knows that one play can change or alter the way my career goes. It can go up, it can go down. We saw that with David Johnson in 2016. He was the man. He was the Everybody was talking about how great this guy is. And he still is a great player. I think he's going to resurrect his career going down to Houston. The problem is, is when guys started, when they start getting hurt. We, I saw that with a, my former teammate, Eddie George. A lot of people, I go way back some 20 years ago. When Eddie first came in the league from Ohio State, he was the Heisman Trophy winner. He was the face of the franchise. By 1999, 2001, fourth or fifth or sixth year in the league, he was the standard in the National Football League. And then a few years later, what happened? Basically, he went to Dallas in 2004 at the age of 31. Then he never played a snap after that. And he basically didn't really play for when he was in Dallas. You know why? Because at some point, this game catches up with you. And, and that's when I, when I look at Derek, I see a lot of Eddie. Big, 6'3", 240 pounds. When I look at Eddie, guess who I, I saw? I saw Earl Campbell. They have that same physical running, pounding, that style. When I see Earl Campbell, I see a lot of Adrian Peterson, guys very physical. At some point, it, it wears on you. It's a very it's a very tough position to play, to sit there time over time to take that pounding. And Derek is so big that people know nine times out of ten, when he's in the game, he's going to get the ball because he's the difference maker on that team. So, of course, they're going to stack the box. The question is, is how long can he continue or endure this kind of punishment? And sometimes over time, it catches up with all of us, especially when we age. So, again, while Derek has leverage, and you know right now, John Robertson and the representatives for Derek, they're discussing a long-term deal. Long-term in the NFL basically means somewhere between two to four years. <laughs> that's not long, but that's a long-term contract for guys that play in the National Football League. That's why they call it not for long. Yeah, I just wanted to go back to Warren Sharp's football analysis and whenever it does come to how much your number one running back is being allocated from a cap standpoint. And Titans fans will remember Chris Johnson in 2012 and 2013. He was he was taking up over 9% of the cap space. But even though he was electric, he was fun to see or fun to watch. The team just wasn't that good. I mean, we went 6-10 and 10 in 2012 and then 7-9 and nine in 2013. And so it just it continues to go back. Warren writes, since 2011, only 17 team seasons saw RB1 allocated at least 7% of the cap. It's also rare for that strategy to find success because of the 17 teams, they won just over an average of seven games for all 17 of them. And 12 of the 17 teams failed to produce a winning record. Only three of the 17 teams made the playoffs, and those teams also lost their only postseason game. Whenever you're looking at this year, we'll kind of get to see some other examples of 
teams in that similar situation. And you're looking at the Rams, which I don't think teams are necessarily expecting them to have a great season by any means. Oh, if you had to ask me right now, I don't think they win a playoff game. And the other team right now, the Jets. I'm not predicting the Jets to do much either. So the Cardinals were in that category, but they traded David Johnson to the right. Texans. So they were yeah, able to get out of there. Hopkins, yeah. But again, it's I not like the Jets need to take the year off. I'm just saying. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's I mean it's crazy. The the best team of those three of the three teams that made it to the postseason, I would say were the twenty seventeen Steelers. And they went thirteen and three that year, but they lost in the first round of the playoffs. And I mean that was the last year they had Le'Veon Bell. Right. And you saw Le'Veon sit out after that. So yeah, it's just it's just hard to build a successful team whenever you're allocating so much of your your cap space to the running back. I do, I do think we need to mention that Derrick Henry has already signed his franchise tag. He is set to play for 2020, making that 10.2 million. There's no guarantee after that or after this season as far as his long-term situation with the Titans. And even though the Titans fans, including myself, Denard, I know you're in that boat, want to see him stick in Tennessee. I think John Robinson would be like, man, if you're if you're asking too much, I just I'm going to tell you best of luck elsewhere, and we'll try to find the next guy to come in here. You saw him use a third-round pick on Darrington Evans. I know he's not the same style of back as Derrick Henry, but sometimes you you got to make what you think is the best decision for the team long-term. And if putting a lot of money in a running back who's had a ton of carries over the last couple of years has continued to take a banging, I don't know if he necessarily sees that as a good investment for the long haul. And that comes down to the way that he, he's going to look at it. That's between the GM and the owner. They're the ones that are discussing this. Just like we're talking right now, He's talking right now to ownership as to what I would like to do. They give GMs, pretty much the owner basically says, hey, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to allow you to build this team. If there's 53 was it, pieces to this puzzle, I'm going to let you put it together. I'm only, I'm only going to give you somewhere between two to, what, two to three years. Most GMs are out if you're not winning. That's just the way it works, as well as a coach. And so when you're putting that puzzle together, unfortunately, there's a thing called the salary cap that affects every guy that signs that contract because they count against the cap. You have some kind of cap number. And then for some, they'll tell you, you got to free up some cap space. So in order to do that, you got to release guys. I know about that personally because I was released from the Broncos because I took up a high cap space. My play was great. Started 31 games in two years. But again, I was due a roster bonus in February. They did not honor that. So again, when you're going to make this by two weeks, let's just go ahead and release him. That basically opens up a lot of money. That way we can sign this quarterback by the name of Jake Plummer to a long-term deal because we're going to cut Denard and this guy, this guy. This. That is the business side of the game, okay? What you got to do as a GM, you got to say, listen, I got all the pieces in, the, in place right now to make a run at this thing. Because guess what? In the National Football League, it can change over, I mean, literally overnight. We see that all the time. So what he has to do is he has to ask himself this. And this is what John Robinson is doing right now. He's looking at all these great, he's looking at Todd Gurley. He's looking at that situation and the money that the Rams paid Todd Gurley. That didn't pan out. But we wasn't talking about that when Todd Gurley got that money, that $46 million. People were like, he deserved it. But that's a part of the game. That's a part of the risk that you take. If you think about it, think about the Denver Broncos in, in it was 1998 signing Terrell Davis to a long-term extension. 
Well, I was even going to bring up, I mean, right now they just went and signed Melvin Gordon, but Melvin Gordon did not get near the amount of money he would have had if he had stayed with the Chargers when they first offered, and he decided to hold out. And so, I mean, right now the cases are a lot more in John Robinson's favor than they are in Derek's favor. Well, yeah, because the, the clubs always outweigh the players. That's just the way it works, okay? The bottom line, it comes down to this is I got to ask myself, this This is a million-dollar question because it's going to come down to a million dollars to keep this young man. Do I go ahead and make the move and sign him to a long-term deal? I just told you a while ago, as I alluded to earlier in this podcast, a two-year deal or two to four years, that's a long-term contract in the National Football League. That's long-term for us. If you sign a six-year deal, you you hope you wish you get three years out of that deal. That's the way they look at it. And I tell people all the time, when you see these contracts, a six-year like Eric Donald, you get that $100 million. The question is, you're not going to get the $100 million. You're going to get the signing bonus or the money up front. Because typically what they're going to do, they're going to come back when you get in what we call the back end of the contract, which is where a lot of the money is placed. That's, <laughs> that's why guys are fighting day in and day out to get the guaranteed money. So if you don't do a signing bonus, you make sure you do like Christian McCaffrey. Get the bulk of that up front. Just in case, just in case something happens. That's what I was able to do. I didn't get a signing bonus going to Denver. We fought to get the money up front. Let's do, even though this says six years, and that when I saw the contract, I noticed that, not to get into numbers, that the bulk of the money is, is basically, they got in on the back end of the contract with the year four, five, and six. And typically, they're going to ask you like Tony Romo. They're going to ask you to restructure or we're going to cut you. So again, if you're Derek, you're saying to yourself, I'm looking at Christian McCaffrey right now. He is the standard in the National Football League. $64 million. He's going to make 22.3 this year. I'm looking at Ezekiel Elliott right now, the, the $90 million extension that he signed in 2019. But I'm looking at the $50 million guarantee. I'm looking at Le'Veon Bell right now saying the four-year $50 million $452 million extension with the Jets. I'm not looking at nobody else beyond that point. Somewhere down the line, what he's asking and his representatives are asking Tennessee, put him somewhere either between or put him over the top of Christian McCaffrey. Because guess what? Somebody else is coming along by the name of Dalvin Cook. Now he wants to get paid. So they're watching what Derek's going to do. And Derek's probably watching what Dalvin's going to do because everybody wants to get paid. So now it's just like, okay, I'm not a mathematician, but somewhere down the line, this is where all this football and, and uh, calculus and, and algebra, you know, when we went to school that I don't remember, this is when it comes into play. And on the only thing you got to do right now is make sure that you think about the 53. Again, that's, that's really what Derek is looking at right now. He's just looking at one, two, and three. Christian McCaffrey, Ezekiel Elliott, and Le'Veon Bell. Uh, and that's where somewhere they're trying to find money in between there or let's surpass that. Real quick on Christian McCaffrey, the way his deal is structured, since he's technically still got a couple of years on his rookie contract, he's getting a lot of the money up front, but it's not affecting their cap until I think 2022 is when he first starts to really be a bulk of that. I, I did want to say just when we're looking over the course of the last decade and how running backs have been being paid. So in the 2012 season, RB1s occupied 4% of the cap on average, but in 2019, that number had declined by nearly 50% down to only 2.1%. So if you watch those trends continue, of course, the Titans are in a little bit of a different situation when you look at their style of play. But for the 
National Football League as the as a whole, the running back position is not near as important as it used to be, and that is a trend that I expect to continue to see take shape. Well, yeah, I, I guess, look at Seattle. Do you see now what Seattle has done? They've taken a blueprint from New England. You got Chris Carson, who's the guy up there right now. The last two years rushed for over 1,000 yards. You, you bring in Carlos Hyde, who rushed for 1,000 yards for Houston, and then they have their first rounder from 2018, Rash- Rashad Penny, who was the first round pick for him in 2018. Do you not see a lot of teams are starting to do what New England's doing? They're basically saying, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to have guys like James White, Rex Burkhead, Damian Harris. We're going to have four guys. We're not going to pay them top value money, but we know that we can get production out of three or four guys as opposed to putting all of our money into one guy. And then you know if you're going to put money into one guy and then you're going to do like they used to do in the old days and run a guy basically into the ground, then that's where you lose the value on your team because you end up hurting him. And Derek averaged, what, 303 carries last year? That was more than anybody else in the NFL other than Zeke was two carries less. So, again, the, the more he touches the ball, the more he's exposed to getting hurt. That's why you go out and you get a young man like Darrington Evans because he can help, spill, help alleviate Derek's, you know, when he gets on the field, make things a lot easier for him. And he gives you that, that quality, that backup. He gives you basically another dimension, and you need that because that would add dimension on to Derek's career if you go out and get another stud so you don't have to run him into the ground like so many backs before, you know, like the, the Earl Campbells. We saw those guys basically. Earl played seven years. He was almost averaging nearly 350 carries a year. And they ran him into the ground when he played for the Oilers. That's what they kept telling Bob Phillips. You're going to run him into the ground. And they did. He can't even walk now. I love Earl Campbell. Eddie George, the same way. You know, that's what happens to backs. They can't take that pounding over time. Adrian Peterson, it happened to L. L. Ladanian Thomason. It caught up with them when he got, what was it, to, to New York. You know, it, it catches up with you at some point. That's why I keep telling the GMs now, and I tell guys all the time, when you have leverage, use it. Because if you don't, at some point, it, it's, it's just gone. And if you don't have leverage in the NFL, basically you're just another player. I uh, just, I guess, to kind of go off of that, I know you started that off talking about the Seahawks, but whenever we're discussing the amount of run play percentage teams had last year, the Baltimore Ravens came in at number one, running 48.2% of the time. Seattle Seahawks came in second, running the ball 44.6% of the time. The Titans came in third, running the ball 43.2% of the time. And the San Francisco 49ers came in fourth at a rate of 43% of the time. The thing that stands out to me, though, when I'm looking at those four teams, all the other teams relied heavily on multiple players to run the ball. That was not the situation for the Tennessee Titans. And you got to, well, you take that back. Seattle got four running backs when you equate Russell Wilson in there, when you put him in the mix. He's like a running back slash quarterback, you know? So you, and then think about Lamar Jackson. Again, those are added dimensions. They're just not quarterbacks. These guys can hurt you with their legs as well. So you got to account for that as well. That's why you see more guys in the box now. You know, because you got to account for those guys. Problem is, is you just, I keep saying this word leverage. When you have it, you have to use it in professional sports, especially football. Other sports, when you get a contract, you're going to get paid that money. Basketball, if you get a $60 million contract, you're going to get $60 million over time, even if you don't pan out. Football, it doesn't work that way. 
you get two things. You get a signing bonus, if you're lucky, or you get the guarantee. You got to get something out of this contract. So if I'm Derek right now, I truly believe they're going to get something done real soon. It's going to be fast. I really see them getting something done very quickly. Well, we'll continue to discuss this topic as we move closer to the July 15th deadline for the Titans and Derrick Henry to reach a long-term deal. It is definitely the number one thing Titans fans are keeping an eye on outside of the likelihood of landing Jadavion Clowney as we move closer to the 2020 season. But that is going to do it for us today. As always, if you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We are available on all your favorite directories iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. And you can find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast. And hey, if you're interested in advertising on the show, please contact Believe at Believe.com. For Denard Walker, I'm Davey Hudson. You've been listening to Believe in Titans on the Believe Podcast Network. We'll do it again next week. And as always, tighten up. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.